0: Today on the VergeCast, the slow-motion car crash that is Stage Manager on the iPad. We'll try to read between the lines of Warner Brother and Discovery's earnings call, and of course, the Gadget News of the Week. That's coming up right after this. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it, you're done. It's a serious time-saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work.
1: Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down.
2: Hello and welcome to the VergeCast, the flagship podcast of the streaming wars. It's another day in the streaming wars. War never changes. (laughs) I'm here for it. I'm your friend, Eli. Alex Kranz is here.
3: I've been like, oh shit, war's hard, man.
2: I'm just thinking of all the lines from, from the various Metal Gear games I've played and thinking, that's too esoteric even for this show. Yeah. David Pierce is here.
4: Hi, I'm on vacation. And what I have discovered this week is that all you have to watch is hotel cable television. And it's just long order SVU modern family in the office. And frankly, it's fine. I don't need anything else. <laughs> That's great. I mean, I'm sold. David, where are you currently? I am currently in a phone booth on the 5th floor of a WeWork in South Beach, Miami. It's 40,000 degrees outside. The beach is literally right there. Yeah. I'm only here because I love you two and all of the Vergecast Aww. listeners. So, it's I'm happy to be here.
2: Well, also we we think this is true. We think that while we're recording, Discovery is going to kill HBO Max. Like <laughs> that might happen. It during could- the cor- and David has to be here for that. We have to Emotionally process that together. Yeah, but you're in Miami. You did like the Wednesday episode on the beach. Are you like super into crypto now? Are you? Oh yeah. So a fun
4: fact is, you get off the airplane in Miami and they just instantly hand you like sixty five Bitcoin and it's great. And then you're worth a lot of money. And then by the time you're out of the airport, you've lost half your money. It's just like a fun sort of game. And then at the end of your vacation,
2: <laughs> it's a circular economy.
4: <laughs> it's like it's like Dave and Buster's in Miami, basically. But with Bitcoin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the W. This cucumber water is four hundred dollars. That's real I've been there that's, that's how that felt for me Yeah Alright, so we think the HBO Max news is coming Because Discovery has earnings Yes So we'll, we'll see what happens Yes But while that's coming It's funny because you're going to listen to this tomorrow And you're already going to know Yeah Just hold on to this moment You're in your car right now Just close your eyes while you're driving And just be like These three people I'm listening to Don't know what's going to happen But I do
3: What's the future like?
2: Yeah, what's it like? Email us <laughs> <laughs> what was it like in this moment when you knew the future? We'll see. We are going to commit. If, if if things go as sideways as we think, we'll we'll have like an emergency pod tomorrow. Alex and I are very excited about it. But for now, let's talk about some news. we got some Apple stuff to talk about. Uh, OnePlus held an event in New York, which is super weird because everybody at the event already had the device, which is just a weird moment. I uh, we got a lightning round. There's a bunch of car stuff. Let's start with Apple. So there's like a bunch of like iPad stuff going on. Uh, so earlier this week, Mark German at Bloomberg had a report saying iPadOS 16 is going to get delayed. And it's kind of like, we all know why. It's David. Because stage manager is horrible and they should probably not do it. Like, I don't know how long it takes to just delete whatever. <laughs> like, like, I like credit for like, I don't know. Command delete. Like, it never happened.
3: It's command A, then delete.
2: I don't know why that delays launch, but it sounds like they're really rethinking it because it's a it's a mess.
4: It's very bad. I mean, and I think the challenge is, like, Apple kind of needs this to work, right? Like, in its, like, relentless effort to make the iPad and the Mac more alike in how they work to the point where they can share apps and systems and all that stuff. Like, this stuff has to work. And this is one way for them to get past everybody yelling about freeform multitasking on the iPad, which I'm just giving up on because it's never going to happen and Apple's just going to keep having new versions of bad ideas about how to not give us the multitasking we're actually asking for. But, like... Apple's not going to get a ton of chances at this because it also needs developers to buy into this stuff. And there's this long history of like if developers don't give it a chance, it's never going to get a chance and it's never going to work and it's never going to go anywhere. And I'm not convinced anybody is going to do the work to get on stage manager while stage manager is still this bad.
2: But, but there's a flip side to this, which is now they've so tightly coupled all of their operating systems and told developers, hey, your iPad app is also a Mac app. Catalyst exists. There's 500 ways to make your apps work on all these things. That if you actually fragment the releases, you're making it even, you're making it harder for developers in another way. Like it's a real trade off that's kind of like vicious, right? Like you're a developer, you want to make an app that works across all of Apple's platforms. They've got a way for you to do that, and then the iPad version just has to hold because Apple hasn't updated to iPad. And there's not like a lot there, but there's stuff like the Home app, yeah, where that's going to support matter. And they're like doing a whole reboot. And there's all this under the hood stuff that gets changed in these OS's now because Apple has com- usually committed to updating them all at once. Developers are like reliant on that. And now there's a delay because they want developers to buy into a good version of multitasking
3: but it's not a good version.
2: Yeah, I think this is like one of those moments where the Apple's version of simplicity masks an underlying complexity, and they're caught up in it now.
4: Yeah, well, and Apple is so unusually good at like creating a moment around that software launch that is like, it makes developers race to hit that moment and get their apps ready because a lot of people are going to be upgrading and looking for new stuff. It's when new devices come out, so there's like a lot of people on new gadgets looking for stuff. And then it's like, like it seems like every year for the last couple of years, there's been like that one feature that isn't ready and comes out a few months later. And then by the time it comes out, we're all kind of like, Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And it feels like this now like maybe destined stage manager to be one of those things, which like might possibly be good news for Apple if it has finally realized that stage manager is bad, and they'd like to secretly hide it behind everything else. But I kind of agree that this is like it does it fragments a thing that It has been really good for Apple for a long time that it has not been fragmented.
2: We'll see. On the other hand, Stage Manager is such a disaster. Like, they really should. The other choice they have is to release iPad OS without Stage Manager or anything and then add it back in a dot update, which it has been doing for years. Yeah. Like, the last few versions of iOS have launched without features and they've just added them over the course of a year.
3: There's also like the suggestion that maybe this delay isn't necessarily. Because stage manager sucks, so although that's probably why, but because they want to have another, like an October event and do a bunch of iPad make it like an iPad October event. And then part of that is like, and stage manager, fully formed. So it could be like building a moment. It's just, it's weird, man. It's weird. I
2: don't think you can reboot stage manager in a month. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. (laughs) Short of doing command A delete. I don't think you can pick stage manager in a month.
3: David just like standing in the crowd glaring at Tim.
2: Liam is reminding us that uh, last year they changed Safari on the Mac to have those horrible tabs. Mm -hmm. And they they undid it by the time it came out.
3: They give you the, the little, the choice, a toggle.
2: Well, yeah. But that's like... That's a solvable thing. Like, they were like, okay, you don't want the bad thing. We'll add a toggle that lets you pick the normal way or the bad way, and we'll just see what everybody picks. Like, (laughs) we believe, and everyone's like, no, I'm going to the normal way. That's literally Um, what Stage
4: Manager is it's a toggle that lets you pick the bad way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I think they want people to use it. They can't market how fancy it is if then you turn it, if you like flip the toggle and you're like, oh, screen bad.
3: How will they market it? Like if they somehow improve it, how do you market it? How do you just market piles? <laughs> like how is that Well you that do a the thing?
2: thing, right? Like I know people who are like iPad multitasking wizards, just swiping and pinching and sliding over. And it's like, I don't even I don't do that many things at once. I don't know what you're doing.
3: I'm just like thinking of the commercial and it's like what, a teenager and they're they're getting ready to do they're doing some drawing on their iPad. And then they're like, hold on, I gotta move this. And they start to swipe it and they're like, oh, no, no, I'm not just gonna swipe it in some other multitasking way. Swipe it to the pile. And then mom calls them for dinner and they're like, snap, walk
2: away. And then the text shows up on screen in like, you know, Apple font and it's like, piles. Call me an iPad. <laughs> um, it's great. I don't know why they have an ad agency. They just call me. You got this. The thing about October, so October, right, traditionally they do two fall events. October is Macs and uh, iPads. We've got a leak. We don't know how accurate it is. The next entry level iPad will look a lot like the iPad Air. It's a case leak. Uh, you know, it's one of those like, are we going to talk about it or cover it? And I think we have to because of our historic obsession with headphone jacks. My historic obsession with headphone jacks. <laughs> look, I got one trick. It's my brand, all right? It's like <laughs> disclosing that Comcast is an, an investor in Vox Media and headphone jacks. That's who I am. It seems like they're going to take the headphone jack out of the cheap one. Which I'm just going to tell you, every parent in America is going to lose their mind. Yes. Because the $329 iPad is like the thing that allows many meals to happen for parents around the world. Like you buy the cheap iPad and you put Disney Plus on it, and then maybe YouTube Kids, because You're just a gambler. Like, (laughs) will my child be a serial killer when they grow up? Let's find out what YouTube Kids has to say. And then you just like get through your life. And taking away the headphone jack means that you've introduced Bluetooth to toddlers, Mm. which is not great. And I understand people have already been tweeting me. You can have a dongle. You could do a thing. There are kid Bluetooth headphones. You you want to just simplify all of that.
3: Can you imagine explaining dongles? to a three-year-old who just wants to watch, like, Coco Melon. Can you imagine, yeah. <laughs> like, teaching a, a three-year-old about dongles?
2: I mean, I know my th- my now four-year-old would love the word dongle. Yeah. Uh, so that's just another problem that you're going to have. <laughs> I just, I don't understand it. Like, they, they keep them on the Mac. They know people want them on the Mac. They're not going to take them away. The thing isn't running out of room. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the argument on the phone, is they wanted all the space back to add the Taptic Engine or whatever they needed to add. The iPads are big. Like, what are they? I don't get it. It, This is like the one where it's, you're really, you're really going sideways on trying to sell wire. Like, I don't know. You want to make accessory money? Make kid Apple headphones. People will buy them.
4: Or make $20 dongles that connect to kid headphones.
3: (laughs) And look like a little animal, like a little mouse. There you go. Little tiger. That's Amazon's tax.
2: Apple's not going to make anything. It looks like a little tiger. Are you kidding
4: me? (laughs) Daniel Tiger branded AirPods are going to be enormous.
2: I just don't know, like... They took him off the iPad Pro, and I was like, fine, like this thing's really expensive. If you come back to the stage manager, right? On the software side, they keep pushing this thing towards the Mac. On the hardware side, they keep pushing it towards the iPhone. Yep. And it's like, Macs are really good because they have a lot of, like, the Mac has tons of ports. Remember what everyone cheered when you were like, we added a good keyboard and SD card slot? Yes. Don't you want to feel that way again? <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can, whenever you
3: want. I, I don't think they want to because, like when a small child will fling the iPad and shatter it and replace the glass that they cheer about that because that's a nice little revenue bump they get when they have to repair <laughs> that it like making them more or making them less repairable is a very compelling business strategy that Apple has repeatedly said is part of their thing
4: I will say I'm I'm super skeptical of these leaks. And this is like this is the kind of thing that we see a million of all the time. And it's basically it's like the things that case makers use to make their cases. And a lot of it is sometimes they have previous knowledge. Sometimes they're just making educated guesses. Sometimes like they know less than we do about what is going to be in the next devices. So this is like, there's a big grain of salt here. And I think the reason to think it might happen is that like, this is just what Apple keeps doing is getting rid of headphone jacks. And so like in that sense, sure, there's a decent chance that at some point this iPad will be gone. And the thing that sucks about this is what's really going to happen is this is going to normalize playing stuff on speakers out of your iPad in the world in the way that like (laughs) that like my mother-in-law who hopefully does not listen to this podcast um, because I bring her up a surprising amount likes to walk through the grocery store on speakerphone and I think that is the worst and this is just like societally acceptable and what's gonna happen next is like YouTube kids on full blast at Olive Garden is just the world that we are gonna live in and I hate it already I hate it I'm
2: done we'll all fall down the YouTube radicalization funnel together (laughs) on One iPad <laughs> in the Olive Garden. Uh, reports are that this Olive Garden got super racist. We don't know why. A child was spotted watching YouTube Kids unsupervised. <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's America in 2022. We'll see. We don't know. It is a sketchy leak. Look at it. The Mac sites are believing it. That's like part of the reason we uh, Nine Five believes it. Like at the end of the day, the case just have to stamp a hole in their cases so they've got it out, right? But it it still has a home button, which is really interesting. The iPad Air design with the home button is really interesting.
3: I really love that most of the people who hit it didn't notice the missing headphone jack. They were like, look at these CAD files. I cannot believe they're doing a redesign. And I think it was like Chris Welch was like, hey, there's something missing.
2: We've got a brand here. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a checklist. Of th- we're like, is headphone j- All right, it's there. All right.
3: Yeah, he Every saw time. it and he was like, nope, we got to blog it.
2: All right. Other news, other gadget news. OnePlus 10T came out. Allison reviewed it. She likes it. Yeah. Good processor, Snapdragon Eight generate Snapdragon eight plus generation one, not only uh, one of the I think the best processing in Android phone, one of the uh, most words in a name mm-hmm. uh, per processor on the market today. Very important. Really good screen, high refresh OLED, meh, camera, no mute switch. It's just like six forty nine, right? It's like the most power you can get for that money. Yeah, which is cool. Very one plus. We did get a tweet from someone. I, you guys saw it. Someone was like, "I'm the person who plays games on their Android phone." The one. And they're like, I play them on Stadia. And I was like, but then you don't need the game phone. Yeah, then what's the point? Don't get it. That's why Stadia exists. But we got one. They were like, on my commute home. It's the only time I get to play video games. They're also the
4: only Stadia user that exists. This is like a unicorn of a person.
2: Yeah, Dieter, if you're listening, find them. They have (laughs) many things to tell you.
4: (laughs) It was Sundar Pachai's burner account, for sure.
2: (laughs) Uh, but the launch is really weird. So they held, the OnePlus held a launch event in New York. They invited a bunch of people. We don't take junkets, but, you know, the, the world of tech influencers arrived in New York City for a tech event. The first in-person tech event kind of in a long time. Like Apple had one. It seems like the doors are open to it again. Just strange, I think, is Allison's. Like no one knows what they're doing. Like it's like everyone's first day of school again. Mm-hmm. We'll see if we have more of them. But I think the, the funniest part of this is all the people there already had the phone. They'd had review units. So I'm not sure what the event was for.
3: They were taking pictures of the event with their review units. I mean,
4: this is like the thing now, right? Because we're like in this place where if you're not Samsung and you're not Apple, everybody has decided that the only move is to try to outshine Samsung and Apple and like be cooler and create cultural moments and have fandom and influencers. And it's like we're on this weird like... I don't know, lifestyle brand kick among all of these smartphone startups trying to take over the world. And it just, it feels like maybe there was like a time when that was a thing that was going to work for a lot of people. And uh, we've all like forgotten how to be humans.
3: Yeah, it was 2012.
4: Yeah, it was like a good time. And then the pandemic happened. And now I don't remember how to go outside. And so it's like, how how much is this going to work anymore?
3: I I think like... We were moving away from this even before the pandemic, right? Like Apple is very, very good at this. And everybody else, even Samsung, is very bad at it. And they all want to make the moment, but they also want to give everybody the embargo. And, like, the reason the Apple thing worked, no PR person, take notes, please. Put away your notebook. But the reason the Apple has always kind of worked is because it is a surprise for everyone. And then Samsung will go and give all of us early access, that's wonderful. We we have time to be very very thoughtful about what we write about it. We have time to work with these products and see them. And it gives us a much more nuanced take when we write about it. But at the same time, the mystique is gone. It's just not there. And, like, they just keep doing that. And I don't know who that is for. Because I don't think, I think that translate, that lack of mystique for the journalists covering it, translates to the audiences.
2: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. But I also think, like, it's a mid-range phone. I say that it's a mid-range priced phone with yeah. a nice <laughs> processor. And like, what are you going to do? Like, there's not a lot of ways to get attention for that thing anymore. Well,
3: you put LEDs on the back.
2: Yeah, that's how you do it. You're like, the ringtones make the back light up, which worked. We, it did we, we work. We made a TikTok about it. It was cool. The phone's great. You should read the review. a awesome, Great job. The camera really seems like it has some wacky-do focus problems. This is like the OnePlus story.
3: The macro is just beautiful
4: yeah OnePlus's ability to like almost do it every single time continues to amaze me and it's like there's just little stuff every single time that it's like okay OnePlus is on all the right roads and then right at the very last minute just like flips his car into a ditch at the like right before the finish line <laughs> and this is just there we're, we're at like a decade of this now and it's it's very impressive
2: well that's why they left to do nothing yeah
4: right <laughs> uh but i think one more thought on the 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 like event thing one of the strange things to me about this is it seems like Like, the advantage that Apple has is that there's this, like, giant list of people who already care about the next iPhone, right? Whereas I feel like even Samsung now, I don't know that there is, like, a huge amount of pent-up demand to know what the Galaxy Fold 4 is going to be like. Maybe there is, and I'm wrong, but I I just, like, people are showing up to be like, what is the next iPhone? Because I'm probably going to own it at some point in a way that, like, no one else is doing. And I feel like this idea that I can, like, get people to care with an event is just not true. I'm not sure it ever was, but like if people already care, you can do a great event and a lot of people care and pay attention, but if people don't care, I'm not sure that like a splashy presentation is the way to get people to care. The way to get people to care is clearly like ringtones and LEDs, Uh, but it's like do cool stuff with your device. Don't just like make a device and then have a splashy presentation about it.
3: The lights need to be on the phone, not on the stage.
2: Ooh, I'm sorry. That's good. That's the title of like, your PR manual. Lights on phone, not on stage. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think we've had a version of this conversation lots and lots of times. I've had it with Tony Fidel, right? Like every year Apple just changed the shape of the iPod and the underlying software was the same. But like one year it was skinny and one year it was fat and one year it was tall and one year it was color and one year it had little videos and the next year they made the screen bigger and had big videos and then one year it was the iPhone, right? And they, like they just kept changing what it looked like. Because that gets more attention than anything any software capability can do. True. And like Apple has somewhat learned this with the iPhone. Like every couple of years, they're like, it looks different. And then everyone's like, I gotta I gotta get that one. And like I, until foldables really hit. I don't think that moment is coming. Kind of, I think that's why all the Samsung's of the world are like chasing after foldables. Yeah. Because it is a better differentiator from the iPhone than anything they can ever do on the software. Like Bixby isn't no one has ever bought a phone because of Bixby. As far as if you were that person, did you buy a phone because of Bixby? Email Alex at TheVerge.com.
3: Maybe it was the Stadia guy. It was the Android gaming guy. That's him.
2: <laughs> it's him. This poor man. This poor guy. It was a very sincere note. Thank you for sending the note. But did you buy your phone because of Bixby? Someone out there has to have. And I just want to meet you. OK, little Pixel 6a update. They're immediately updating the software to unlock the bootloader, which is cool. But I think also says a lot about the Pixel.
4: It's also already on
2: sale. But the hacker's at it. We'll see what happens.
4: Google is just like systematically deciding to not really care if anyone buys its phones. They're just like, we're going to keep making them. They're neat. But, oh, it's cheaper. It's like it's on sale on Amazon, like 15 minutes after it launches. And we're unlocking the bootloader. And it's just like they're like, we made these things basically as development tools anyway. So just, you know, have at it. Knock yourself out.
2: I will say we ha- we talked a lot about Zuckerberg and Meta and Zuck turning up the heat and sending out the note. And poor Gary from Chicago. Gary, if you're out there, man, I hope you found a friend with a boat. Sooner ever, I sent an email to Google being like, we need to. Get better at this. We're not as productive as we should be. They're doing this thing called simplicity sprints where like Google employees are being asked to simplify how Google works and like be more productive. Like the heat's on at Google, too. Uh, And I think some of this like flailing around the pixel is going to become a casualty of it because there's no point to it right now. Like, I don't think Samsung is afraid of the pixel. Just don't like it's not a useful hedge against Samsung Doing Bixby, which is like kind of what it existed for. And they spent what, a billion dollars on HTC? Has that paid off? Have they made it? Have they made that money back in Pixel? They have not. Probably. Not. <laughs> so I think over the next couple of years, or however long this not a recession, recession lasts, right? This is where you would expect people to, to squeeze because all of their money is in search and YouTube. They make no money and like basically anywhere else. Yeah. Like their cloud division doesn't make money.
4: Yeah, and there was a great I forget who wrote it, but somebody made a very convincing case in a a blog post that Google is smart to keep throwing money after cloud because it's like, this is the sort of land grab moment and market share is really easy to get right now and is really hard to lose over time. So it's like, okay, Google's probably correctly going to continue to lose a lot of money on cloud for the foreseeable future. But it does this thing every once in a while as a company. Like there was that, I think it was Larry Page who wrote a thing forever ago that was like more wood behind fewer arrows or something. It was like this big blog post where they essentially announced the same thing, right? They're like, Google is this giant sprawling company full of people who do basically whatever they want all day. And then we ship it no matter what. We're going to stop being like that. And then they sort of slowly become that company again. And now they're going to try to stop being that again. And... They're like combining all of their many messaging apps into a slightly more confusing, but smaller set of messaging apps. And like,
2: I will say thank you to them. We got to write the headline of the year because they did it. It was very polite. Uh, I'm just going to read it to you now. Google meet meets duo meet with meet and duo. But duo isn't going into meet.
4: It is a perfectly (laughs) accurate headline too. every word of it is exactly correct. It's so good.
2: That's 100 percent what's happening. And random like Google people like were tweeting it, being like, it's happening. Like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't think you want what happened was like a thunderous dunk on this strategy. <laughs> it was very strange. But yes, Duo is becoming Google Meet and they're killing the Meet app over. I don't know. Chris Grant, who's the you know, he's like the SVP of the Virgin Polygon. He called me the other day. He, he always calls me on Google Duo because he has an Android phone. The service in the house bad. He always calls me into it. Whatever. Usually my phone rings. This time every Google Home in my house <laughs> rang, and my phone did not ring. And I'd like run across the room and answer him on a Google Home and be like, "I don't know what's going on." And he calmly goes, "Oh, this happens all the time. Just call me back."
3: <laughs> and he still does it.
2: It was great. Loved it. Love every minute of it. Last little bit of gadget news. Kind of like a hot week for handheld gaming. Yeah. Alex, like a lot of gaming, handheld gaming news went down.
3: There, there, there was a lot. Logitech announced exactly what I've been wanting, which was a dedicated cloud gaming handheld device. We, we know almost no details about it, but it's coming. And if Logitech is doing it, a lot of other people are probably going to do it. Unless it's like the last great idea they had, which was remotes for your home theater, and then they killed them. So hopefully it's not that. But they're working with Tencent Games. It's Logitech G, which is like the smaller kind of sub-brand from Logitech that does all of its gaming hardware and stuff. Usually pretty affordable gaming hardware.
2: So this makes perfect sense to me, right? If you are like, okay, it's a cloud gaming product, then you don't have to worry about your GPUs, your megahertz, your RAMs. You're like, whatever. We're just going to pump Stadia or Luna or Xbox Game Pass into this thing. And all the hard work is not happening on their servers. Yep. So we need a pretty good display. We need enough connectivity to make it go, which is like pretty commodity stuff now. Like you just call Qualcomm or whoever up. Yeah. MediaTek is foaming at the mouth right
0: now trying to get (laughs) it on this thing.
2: And you're like, you know what we need? We need great buttons. You can just see like the Logitech G division is like, dude, we're really good at buttons. We're so so good good. at buttons.
4: They're like the perfect company to make this. I'm so excited about this for that exact reason. It's like, I'm very curious if it ends up, there's like the Switch look, there's like the Steam Deck look, and then there's there's the 3DS look, and then there's the thing where it's just like a, basically an Xbox controller with a little screen above it. There's like a million ways you could skin this, and I'm very curious how it goes. But I feel like if anybody can do this very simple, just stream the thing to my buttons thing, like it should be Logitech.
2: Yeah, and like they were probably like knocking on the door of the CEO, like Brack and Daryl, the CEO, they're like, dude, the button thing is going to pay off.
3: <laughs> we did like, it.
2: It's, we've been waiting. The button people are freaking out downstairs. <laughs> they want to come talk to you.
3: I bet it could, like, they could just gut a bunch of old PS Vitas and that's it. That's all they need. Just gut it and put in, like, a good Wi Fi chip. Yes. It's got a nice display. That would be
2: amazing, actually. Yes. That's such a good idea. Were you a Vita person?
3: Oh, yeah. I've got one.
2: What'd you play on your Vita?
3: The thing that's like Tomb Raider, but with dudes. Uncharted <laughs> <do it later. laughs> I mean That's also an accurate
2: description of Uncharted To <laughs> so be clear uh-huh. It's true I was never a Vita Pro. I always wanted one But there was nothing there for that. It was like these None of these games are for me I don't know
3: I bought it like Used for like a hundred bucks With that And I think Gravity Rush came with it I played both of them And it's still sitting in a box somewhere Like I did it And I was like Okay Yeah That was a cool use of a hundred dollars Hack it up Put it away I think it even has, like, 3G on it and stuff. Never used it.
2: You should figure out, this is, like, a very Alex Hans project, figure out if you can, like, hack it and get it to run Plex. Yes! And then you should run your entire Plex system off your PS Vita.
3: I don't want to do that. (laughs)
2: Like, that's what you need. Like, it's, like, in a a place of honor. You're like, that's my Plex server now. And you can
4: call it a Logitech Harmony remote.
2: (laughs) The Logitech thing comes at an interesting time because uh, Nintendo is saying Switch sales are dipping... Mostly chip shortage, but it's also about that time, right? Yeah. We've been expecting a Switch Pro for a minute. Mm-hmm. There were lots of rumors last time around. It didn't happen. It's like, it's about that time. I would also say Breath of the Wild 2 coming out in March. Hopefully. We'll see. On the other hand, they've got this thing called the Orion, which is just one of my favorite hacky peripherals. We should just do the full, the rest of the show on the Orion. Yes. <laughs> Like, it's so silly. It's basically just a display that clips onto your Switch. It eats your Switch.
4: It's like a television that you put on your Switch. (laughs) I don't know.
2: Yeah, we're all describing the same thing. You take your Switch, which has a screen, And then you plug it into a bigger screen and, like, clip it in there. A bigger, worse screen. A bigger,
3: worse screen. 720p, but it's bigger, so it's going to be uglier. And it's, like, noticeably a cheaper screen than even the original Switch.
2: Look, America loves a big, cheap screen. Also, it's 768p, my friend. Oh,
3: sorry. sorry. There's
2: 48 more Ps in this thing <laughs> that you would better account for. It looks very silly. I love it. I love, a, I love a silly hardware hack. This reminds me of those old magnifying glasses people used to put over their Game Boys.
3: Yeah.
4: Do you guys remember the Asus Transformer, my favorite gadget of all time?
2: Was that the phone that went into the computer?
4: No, it was the phone that went into the tablet. It had a little flap on the back of the tablet that you literally stuck the phone into, and Boop. then you had a tablet. Uh, this is that, but good. Good. And not stupid and bad. It's very exciting.
2: It's not that <laughs> really. Is it, is it <laughs> like, not stupid, dude? What it is is a big, cheap screen. It's like an HDMI monitor with a sillier form factor that you can plug your Switch into.
3: I do like that it's got it's got places for the handles. You can Or for the Joy-Cons.
2: Yeah, but then it has handles for the Joy-Cons. So you can hold it because it's a big, cheap screen.
3: And it's also two pounds with the games in it. It weighs over two pounds. So you can just do like little presses Little little hammer curls while you're playing? <laughs> Get those right. biceps working?
2: I mean, all right. I mean, tiny little biceps.
3: <laughs> tiny little biceps. <laughs> like, with your I've got some device. Nintendo
2: Switch Orion biceps. <laughs> But wait, can I just complain about the
4: switch for a minute here? Because I've had a I have a switch that I've had for a while and it like sort of periodically re-enters and leaves my life depending on games. Like I'll get very into Mario Kart and then stop playing Mario Kart for a year. But so I dug it out the other day and was like, okay, what I'm going to do this time is I'm going to dock it into my I have I have a monitor with two HDMI ports. One is my computer. I was like, I'll dock it in the other one, and then when I have you know five minutes to kill, uh, I'll switch it over and play some Mario Tennis. Love this idea. Huge win. I bought a third party dock that just flatly didn't work. Then I bought another third party dock that didn't work. Then I eventually like conned Nintendo into like letting me buy a dock from the official Nintendo store without buying the entire new Switch. I was able to actually buy a dock, which is very exciting. But that dock doesn't come with the Nintendo-approved AC adapter, which is apparently crucial to the integrity of the Nintendo dock. And now I have to buy that, which is also being complicated. And I've just I've just gone down this road where it's like, it's just it's a USB-C port that plugs into the wall. Like, I have a hundred thousand of those in my home, and I'm not allowed to use any of them. And it's just driving me absolutely insane. Like, this is the kind of thing that it's like, it should plug into an HDMI port, and it should plug into a USB-C port, and everything should be wonderful, and instead, it is the opposite, and it is driving me absolutely insane.
2: USB C is the future, David, and I won't have you denigrate it on this program. It works <laughs> perfectly every time, and uh-huh. every port, regardless of function, should look like a USB C port. It is the universal cable for sure. <laughs> it definitely always does exactly what you think. All right, that's enough. Uh, we're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna figure out what happened. To HBO Max. When we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk
0: about it. We'll be right it Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck.
1: grow your business in Slack. Visit Slack.com to get started.
2: Okay, we're back. Warner Brothers Discovery earnings are out. They lost some money. A little money. HBO Max lost some domestic subscribers, gained some international subscribers. They've got a screenshot of the flight attendant here, so I think the flight attendant's safe. Yes! they got a screenshot of the Batman in here, one of the silliest movies ever made. (laughs) Uh, they're making a sequel (laughs) of that. Joker two got a casting announcement today. All right. So like the basics are in place.
4: I'm sorry, how did you skip over 90 Day Fiance? You can't skip ninety day fiance.
2: Or you know, Street Outlaws was one of their that's what this says. Street (laughs) Outlaws was one of their best launches. (laughs) So I need to apologize to everyone karmically. Last time on this program I said HBO Max is ticking closer to zero on the go ninety scale than ninety, and then immediately all hell broke loose. Yep. I, I'm sorry. That's just clearly my fault. So if you don't remember the, the Go90 scale of Doom streaming services, you start at zero and then you can Go90, which means you die. Like Go90, the dead streaming service from <laughs> Verizon. It started with an idea that teenagers would form gangs on their cell phones to make YouTube videos. I don't know. It was a bad idea. They died. They went 90. Quibi went 90. HBO Max was doing great. Like, I think it was people's favorite streaming service.
3: Yeah, despite being bad app. Like, the app itself is garbage.
2: But the content is good. People people like the shows. F-Boy Island, a great show. And just putting that energy in the universe, it is hilarious. So we, set, we complimented HBO Max. We shouldn't have. Little did we know, the new corporate overlords, Discovery Communications, now known as Warner Brothers Discovery, tagline, the stuff dreams are made of. That's their real corporate tagline. <laughs> it's true. I'm not, I'm not even remotely <laughs> kidding. Would realize that they had spent a bunch of money on HBO... Uh, And the rest of uh, Warner Brothers, which you might remember, was purchased by AT&T for some reason. (laughs) Do you remember what it was?
3: No. To kill Filmstruck?
2: Uh, To kill Filmstruck. Now, AT&T bought Warner Brothers Mm -hmm. because their idea—this is true. They said this to a judge in the trial that the Trump DOJ filed to block the merger because Trump was mad at CNN. They were like— This is a deal about the vision of the future where we're going to take Game of Thrones and turn it into bite-sized content for cell phones. And then they quickly realized no one on any side of that equation thought that was a good idea. And they were horribly in debt.
3: Jeffrey Katzenberg thought it was a good idea.
2: No, even he wasn't like we should do that to Game of Thrones.
3: But he tried on with Quibi.
2: Yeah, but Quibi was like, we're going to turn the phone sideways. That shit went 90, you know, like <laughs> fine. So then AT&T is like, crap, we're in a mountain of debt. Uh, also, our various 5G promises came to nothing. Whoops. Uh, so they flip Warner to Discovery in a secret deal. Underlying this, by the way, the old CEO of AT&T had left and the COO who did all the deals for him became the CEO and that guy, John Stanky, immediately started selling all the things that he had been made to buy as COO, which is incredible, right? Like, your boss is like, go buy DirecTV. And you're like, fine. And then you become the boss. Like, that was stupid. And you, like, flip <laughs> like, real things that are happening at at and So now Discovery owns Warner Brothers. They own HBO Max. The whole big bet on the future of streaming. And then, like, this week, chaos starts breaking loose because the Discovery people have taken over. So, like, the first thing they did was they canceled the launch of CNN Plus, like, 20 minutes after they launched CNN Plus. So that's a mess. And then the rumors this week are, like, they're going to CNN Plus HBO Max. Yeah. And then, Alex, they did a bunch of, like, attack stuff, right?
3: Yeah. I mean, they've been doing stuff for a while. Like, David Zaslav, who is the CEO, he was the CEO of Discovery. He basically built Discovery, acquired History Channel. Like, he made that the big giant empire it was. It is now. He was part – he, like, helped create the deal, obviously – to, to acquire Warner Brothers. And for him, it was always like, I want to get HBO because he's a linear TV guy. So he wants like, HBO is like a big crown jewel if you're still one of the three people in linear TVs. And he's one of them. So he's like, I want that. And he didn't really understand streaming as evidenced by the fact that they launched Discovery Plus and about 20 something million people have subscribed to it even though it's $5. Like they And they like throw it at you, I think, if you're on T-Mobile are just like, here, have some Jeff, what is the name? It's Chip and Joanna. Have some Chip and Joanna. Just enjoy. So he, he bought it, and then he, he obviously killed CNN+. He thought it was a stupid idea, and like, as soon as the merger was closed, he was like, all right, you're done. Then he went and he started killing all these shows on CW, which is a joint venture between Viacom and Warner. So he started killing all those shows, which also had the added effect of hurting Netflix, because a huge part of Netflix and CW's revenue stream was their relationship.
2: That's an ice cold move.
3: So like kills off all these shows just like, oh no, Riverdale's ending. I guess they're going to stop a comet with superpowers. That, that really happened on Riverdale.
2: Riverdale quickly <laughs> lost the plot, I would
3: say. <laughs> they used to <laughs> They're like, one
2: guy got murdered and at the end they're like, we are teenagers and we are definitely fighting a comet. <laughs>
3: It, like I think there's another season still left, but oh good, but it's, that's the end. Then it's going to be over. And then this week they killed Batgirl. Like I mean, how dare they? Yeah, how how dare they? But they were going to do HBO Max. It was going to be on HBO Max. It was going to be part of this big DC universe. They were bringing Michael Keaton back to play Batman, and they were like introdu- going to introduce him into the whole wider universe to basically replace Ben Affleck. And there was going to be a whole bunch of stuff in the Flash about why they were doing that, but it was all going to start with Batgirl. But they, they got rid of it, and it was really weird because they were super inconsistent on why they killed Batgirl because they're just putting it in a vault. It's basically done. They've spent like $90 million on this film.
2: Yeah, the movie's over. Yeah. Right? They've, they've shot it. They
3: shot it. They were in editing. They weren't finished, but they'd already done like some screenings of it. It was in like a fine place. I think it was like an adequate film, it sounds like.
2: But they made it to stream.
3: Yeah, it was specifically made to be a streaming film. It was never going to be a theatrical release. Okay. And so they then put it in the vault and they initially say, well, we're putting it in the vault because it's such a bad film. It is so awful that <laughs> no one can ever see it. And it's like, but we ha- we've seen so many terrible Warner Brothers films. Like yeah. Batman versus Superman exists in the world. You can watch it right now. And I, I really find it hard to believe anything can be as bad. But that was the original thing. And then Deadline reported a couple hours later that, no, it wasn't because it was bad. It was fine. It was actually because they wanted to do some weird tax stuff because they're in a lot of debt. Like when they created this merger, they they acquired over $55 billion in debt. And their stock isn't trading where it needs to be when you have also $55 billion in debt. Like normally, OK, a company wants to have a bunch of debt. And as a public traded company, fine, it can do it. But if it has too much debt, then people will get scared. So they're trying to get rid of a little bit of that debt. There's like $3 billion of it they want to get rid of. And so everybody is claiming now that like, getting rid of Batgirl was helping with that. And that canceling this stuff is going to help with it.
2: You're in this world where we don't know what the future of movie theaters is going to be. But we know reliably that big superhero movies will make people go to movie theaters. Why in that world would you say we're going to make Batgirl a tiny streaming movie instead of a blowout theatrical release that will make a billion dollars?
3: Well, that was part of like Jason Keillor, who was the the former CEO of Warner Media. That was his strategy. His strategy was we're going to have really, really big movies, but we're going to put every single movie we make, big or small – on to HBO Max, because we're not just competing in theaters. Day and date. Yeah, day and date. Because we're not just competing with theaters, we're also competing with Netflix. And so if we want to have, like, if Netflix is going to go do The Gray Man and do these big theatrical releases, but just on streaming, we want to do that, too. And we also want to build out our entire, like, universe, because we still have, str- like, they've been struggling for years to compete with Marvel.
2: So this is where I will disclose that we made a Netflix show. Yes. I An mean, EP of a Netflix show. I will say this disclosure. Then I will also say the gray man is bad <laughs> and is like the ultimate definition of like the tentpole streaming movie. Yeah. Right. It's like streaming movies have a vibe and the gray man is the most that vibe. Yes. Yes. Right. Like it, they were just like, whatever, you're going to be looking at your phone. So like this exposition, we didn't finish writing it.
3: Look up when there's loud explosions. You'll have a great time.
2: Right, like you can tell. Like movies made in the theater are designed to like hold your attention the whole time because they assume you don't have your phone. And movies made for streaming are like you probably have your phone. Yeah. Like you left the room to go to the bathroom. These three minutes didn't really matter. (laughs) Like it's the stuff between explosions. Like every streaming movie is like this. Yeah. But like, why would you make Batgirl, which theoretically could drive people into the theater? I don't know. That's a weird decision.
3: Yeah, I think it was like. A weird decision at the time because I think their calculus for like Jason Keillor was, hey, we're gonna we're gonna make this and people are gonna be so excited about Batgirl because she's she's a big superhero like her her comic books sell very very well like she was she's kind of when you think of DC Comics and you think of like women superheroes you're like Wonder Woman, Batgirl, Harley Quinn yeah right like like she's big and so I think they were like oh yeah we're gonna do like tentpole but cheaper and on a TV. And so they shot basically a very expensive TV movie. Like by all accounts it looked like it was for TV. And so it was too small to go into theaters. And Zaslav was like, "Well, let's just get rid of it. Let's just put it in a vault."
2: And so but then they they took in a bunch of other stuff off the service.
3: Yeah, a bunch of other stuff has disappeared. From the service, but it's still available if you want to go buy it and watch it or you want to go rent it and watch it, you can still do this. There's a lot of rumors that like part of this was also to get back at Jason Keillor because like Zaslav apparently didn't like him. And so part of this is like, well, I just want to like stick it to the last guy.
2: That's some real Hollywood stuff.
3: Yeah. So there's like some Hollywood backstabbing plus the accounting stuff. Plus, apparently it was like a deeply adequate
2: film. (laughs) Fair enough. So those are like the pre-shocks of the earthquake, right? All this stuff is like early in this week is like Batgirl went away. And you're like, I'm I'm going to drag myself into caring about Batgirl because I care about the streaming industry. And then yesterday into today when the earnings came out, but it hasn't even happened yet. The rumor mill goes wild. Absolutely wild. Zaz is going to sh- shut down HBO Max. Yep. Or like fire a bunch of people on the HBO Max Originals development team put all the money into like street Avengers or whatever reality shows he's making. <laughs> uh, and then he's going to merge the apps into a super app, but then you don't have to worry because Casey Bloys, who's the head of HBO is actually going to have more power. So he's not going to kill all the good stuff. I'll tell you the the Westworld subreddit went nuts yesterday. Yeah. The West has one season left. And they're like, do not cancel this show. It's a mess. Fewer people are watching it. This season's very good. I will say that. But they're just like, the Westworld people are freaking out that they will this mess will not come to a conclusion. Because no one knows what's going on.
4: We should say one one useful piece of context here is that Discovery has basically been telegraphing this move for six months. Like yeah. even before the merger was finalized and discovery wasn't like allowed to say out loud what it was definitely for sure going to do with this new combined company it was like very loudly hinting uh to the point of not really hinting at all that <laughs> this their that their ultimate plan was to their their cfo at some conference basically said we think the future is a combined app like it has been it has not been unclear that this was the plan all along and i think it's sort of a branding mistake to think that Discovery is, like, a cooler, shinier thing than HBO, if indeed that is where this goes. But, like, their whole pitch was always, we think we can do the, like, appointment television and do the, like, while you're watch- while you're folding laundry stuff in one service, and that that's going to be the thing that, like, most closely mirrors how people actually watch TV, and might be a huge hit. And there's, like, a version of that that makes a lot of sense to me. It's just that now they seem to be running around killing everything that costs more than $15 an episode to make.
3: Well, I don't think they really are. Like, I think I think Zeslov is like, he's been very clear from the beginning what he was going to do. He's He was very clear, like, we're going to cut back on this content. We are not going to spend as much content as our competitors. That's a dumb thing for us to do, especially when I can like throw $5 at somebody buying a new house and get a season of television out of them fucking it up. So like, I, he, that's not a direct quote.
4: There's literally a show on HGTV called Help... <laughs> I broke my house like <laughs> it's a thing
3: <laughs> but like so so they knew that they were like he's been saying for months what they were going to do here. And I think what really scared people was this Batgirl thing, because this is super unusual to put a film back in the vault when it's that close to being finished. And the last time we saw that happen was in another merger when Disney acquired Fox, they get a hold of the new mutants and they're like, what the hell is this? It's like a horror film and it's got like X-Men references, but it's not really X-Men and they're fighting a bear. This is stupid. (laughs) We're throwing it in the vault. And then they eventually released it and it was fine. But, That doesn't usually happen. And for them to say, we have zero plans. There is no chance this is ever coming out. This is going in the vault. It will remain unfinished. It's going to sit here for eternity. Is really, really, really uncommon. And I think that's what started to scare people. Because, like, yeah, everybody knew that this merger is coming. They knew that, like, Discovery Plus and HBO Max are eventually going to become one super app. Presumably HBO will be the primary point there because it has like almost three times as many users as Discovery+. Plus, But we don't know if they're going to keep that name. Yeah, so we don't know the name.
2: It seems like unlikely that they will. So after all of this, HBO Now, HBO Go, HBO, HBO Max Originals, Cinemax, which existed and had its own platform called Max Go, this is a real thing, they did all this work and made people understand that HBO Max existed, and they're like, we're going to take it away.
3: Yeah, and they're just being super confusing this week too, right? Like, like he also said repeatedly, we're going to do this, we're going to merge this together, but we don't. We have like nearly a hundred million subscribers, and we don't want to confuse them. And instead, we're going to cancel our show, like cancel stuff, start quietly pulling things, be like, well, yeah, I mean, we're probably going to merge them together, but now Chip and Joanna Gaines from Fixer Upper's, which is this huge part of the Discovery Empire are now going to, they're going to have a bunch of their stuff on HBO Go, or excuse me, on HBO Max. And it's just like, it's super confusing. And it's super, I think, scary for a lot of people who have watched these things happen before, who have watched these like, films get pulled and, and lost and stuff they really like get canceled. And usually the stuff that's getting canceled happens to be the stuff that's I don't know, the cast is primarily people of color or the the filmmakers are primarily people of color or the subject matter is especially like about more diverse communities and that marginalized communities. So I think there's a lot of that like general anxiety and the guy's just not talking. I mean, presumably he's going to talk.
2: So they, they can't talk before earnings. Yeah. So now earnings are out. So you would expect in the next couple of days there's going to be the big announcement that- HBO Max and Discovery Plus have been merged into Disco Max Plus. Yes. That's what they're gonna call it. It's gonna be great. And we'll see what happens. There are deeply conflicting rumors about the whether there's gonna be like layoffs inside of HBO.
3: Yeah, we've seen we've seen some people say there's gonna be like 70% layoffs. Most of the people saying that I would not usually say are like hit home runs every time. I would take that with a grain of salt, but then I would also take the people who are like nothing will change. With a grain of salt. I think change is coming. Change is already happening. We're seeing it. We're seeing these plans be put into place. And we're seeing, like, I think if you liked HBO before this, it is not going to be the same service. Whatever name it gets, whatever con, like, the content is about to start radically changing. You're going to start seeing a lot more fixer-upper.
2: If they don't finish Westworld, you will burn it. I'm going to lose my mind. Like, i'm gonna lose my mind
3: it's like i think if they cancel that our flag means death is another one where like teen girls from tumblr will just appear outside of zaslov's house ready to murder him if they cancel it like there's there's some some high stakes drama
4: <laughs> we'll see. the thing about this that's so weird to me is like this is now the second company in a row that has taken hbo and been like wow so cool You make amazing shows. Your hit rate is better than anybody. Congratulations. Let's systematically destroy the systems that allow you to do that. Like when Stanky became the CEO of AT&T, he was like, okay, HBO, y'all are awesome. Great work. I need you to do three times as much stuff with much less money. Can you do that? And they were like, well, no, that's not not how HBO works. And now Discovery is going to be like, okay, we want to be just like HBO, still just as shiny, but with more... Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yes. (laughs) I mean, like, why why buy HBO if this is what you're going to do?
2: Well, they didn't buy HBO. They bought Warner, right? They bought the fancy movie studio and CNN and HBO and TNT. Like, HBO is, like, one just, like, tiny, expensive thing whose entire revenue stream was, like, premium cable subscriptions. And that's going away. And so they, like, to compete with Netflix, they did need more volume. But they, like... All the ATT stuff aside, they executed on that strategy. This is why, like last week, I was like, they're they've ticked their way away from ninety. I think we put them at like twenty or thirty last week. Little did we know.
3: Like they're the third largest. I mean HBO Max right now, third largest streamer in the in the United States. It's doing very, very well. And Discovery Plus nowhere near the third largest. It's behind, I think, even Hulu and, and like... Well, on that
4: point, point, one one thing to note here is that uh, already Discovery is not breaking out the subscribers between the services it is only reporting a combined subscriber number which is like gonna start to make whatever it wants to do with all this weird stuff that is one useful thing to do if you want to make the numbers look better than they actually are for your weird streaming service that you just folded a much more expensive (laughs) streaming service into
2: (laughs) we'll see okay two more quick things on streaming that we have to break one trademarks for a TikTok music app which is really interesting Obviously, music is huge on TikTok. The music industry loves TikTok. That's how they break songs. You'll notice songs are getting way shorter because they're just TikTok length now. Uh, fascinating. We'll see. This reminds me of when Sujin Wojcicki at YouTube ran or used to run around saying YouTube was a music service because the data inside of YouTube showed that people were watching tons and tons of music videos, but that did not mean that they wanted YouTube music. So like the the view of the data inside YouTube was like, we're a music service. And then you would like say it to normal people and everyone'd be like, what are you talking about?
4: Well, wait, okay, hold on. I, I would, I agree with that, except that a YouTube music is more successful than anything. And b. YouTube never connected the dots. They built this thing that it's like if you go watch a if you go watch a music video on YouTube, your ability to then like save that album to your YouTube music library does not exist. It's <laughs> like they like they built the two sides of the thing and then just kept them as far apart as they possibly could. And what I've heard from. People in the music industry over the last couple of years is that like TikTok is this amazing music discovery engine that doesn't convert at the rate that they want it to. That like Lizzo being the biggest thing on TikTok doesn't transfer to people streaming the whole album in the way, like on Spotify, in the way that those people would want it to. And so if TikTok can actually be the one to bring those things together and be like, oh, you like this song? Here's this album. That becomes like a hugely powerful thing. No one has done that successfully. So I'm not positive it'll be easy, but like there's a, there's a big win to be had there. If you can be the one to actually put those two sides together.
2: Yeah. But TikTok also just burns a track to the ground. Like, I don't need to hear that Lizzo song for a while.
4: Yeah. But that's, that's culture now, man. That's that's what we do. We <laughs> listen to like,
2: one song at a time and we all listen
4: to it 24 hours a day until we're done. With
2: <laughs> it's just a very linear. All right. Here's yeah. this week's song. That's all you get. <laughs> right. Move on. Um, I saw a stat. I was talking to uh, Ariel uh, who writes hot pod for us catalog music, which is like songs that are older than 18 months, ever increasing share of all music streams. So people are listening to older music and less newer music. So the music industry is desperate. Like it's like 70 something percent up from like 50 percent a few years ago, like crazy jump in people just listening to older music, partially because like TikTok can also break a Stevie Nicks song like. Fleetwood Mac is hot again. It's like, where did that come from?
4: Kate Bush, man. Running up that hill is like the biggest song in the
2: universe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like Kate Bush was like, oh, TikTok, that happened to me. Uh, Stranger Things. Like it all just like combined. But it means that old music now is as discoverable or as valuable as new music. New music is harder to break. TikTok is how new, new music breaks because it's just the way it goes. So we'll see. I think it's fascinating. I would not say Spotify or Apple have like innovated on the music listening experience since they came out. Maybe a little competition would be good. Uh, last one. This is just, for me personally, very funny. Just because Roku is such a complicated company. You know, Roku is an advertising company. So Roku makes the boxes, and then like every dollar that flows through the box, Roku gets a cut of, Just like Apple on the phone or Google on the phone. Roku actually just hired its first lobbyist to go lobby against the privacy bills. And the antitrust bills, because it has the same problems as Apple and Google, which is really fascinating. Um, But their numbers are down because they sold fewer boxes. But because they sell the boxes for nothing, because all the money is in advertising, their actual revenue hit when they sell fewer boxes is they get fewer license fees for the buttons on the remote. (laughs) So they're like, revenue is down and hardware because they're not selling as many remotes and thus collecting fewer fees from Netflix, Apple, Hulu, whatever for the buttons on the remote that those services buy.
4: You mean the like dedicated app launcher ones, right? Like those four at the bottom yeah. that are like-
2: That's their hardware revenue. Their hardware <laughs> revenue is not in the hardware, it's in the buttons. And they actually had to call it out being like, our button revenue has suffered this quarter because we've sold fewer boxes. Incredible. Very good. All right, we gotta take a break. I will come back, we're gonna do a little, little lightning round. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Lightning round. First, I got to call this out. I really put this Lucid story here so I can just complain about the Jeep. So Lucid Motors, high end EV company, really fancy car. Lucid Air looks great. Uh, They slashed their forecast like by 50 percent for production. They're going to make 7000 cars this year.
4: Did you see Elon Musk tweet that he had more kids in Q2 than Lucid <laughs> made cars? Like really genuinely like an all time great Elon Musk tweet.
2: That's great, actually. That's yeah. like a great Elon <laughs> yeah, tweet. Really good. Whatever. The, like they make 7,000 cars. And they cost like $120,000. So, like, <laughs> again, I want to say the Jeep Grand Cherokee hybrid with battery. Yeah. They announced this thing last year. It's still not out. It just won an award from a German magazine for best off-road vehicle. The car doesn't exist. (laughs) It's very (laughs) off-road. It's so far (laughs) off-road. They keep announcing the thing. I'm in the forums. People are like holding candlelight vigils to get their plug-in hyper G. (laughs) One day it's going to come out. It's going to be great. Um, Speaking of Tesla, Elon Musk. Twitter, A, we got a trial date. They're going to start October 17th in Delaware. There's going to be a fight to the death on the Verge team over who gets to go to that trial. It's going to be great. We're going to live stream it. I'm so excited. Not the trial, but the fight about the trial. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, pre-fi- the pre-trial fight <laughs> to cover the trial. Uh, great. Get your popcorn ready. So that starts on October 17th. But now, because Elon's money is so tied up in Tesla, Tesla is now drawn into it. It's just a mess. This thing needs to settle. Like Twitter wants all of Tesla's docs and commu- like they're doing discovery in Tesla because all of Elon's money is Tesla. Messy. Everyone should settle. OK. And then a little GM news. GM, which uh, has also shipped approximately zero electric cars. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting that out there. They've got a couple of bolts. But you remember the bolt uh, had some fire problems.
3: You know, now it's back. Batteries are hard. They've
2: discounted the bolt to try to move it. They've got like two or three Hummers floating around. They got a render of the Silverado. Anyway, GM says by next year, they're going to be shipping more than Tesla. But as they build up to this, they're announcing all this stuff. And they're saying their autonomous vehicle strategy is superior to Tesla Super Cruise. They're doubling its coverage to 400,000 miles of highways. They've got Ultra Cruise coming next year, which will cover 95% of driving tasks. So they're out on LinkedIn saying that their approach to safety with super crews and ultra ultracruise is superior to Tesla.
3: I mean, if they don't do a public beta, then they're correct. Like, if they're not putting their autonomous driving as a public beta that anybody can, can do and drive around with, that is significantly safer than what Tesla's been doing.
2: Yeah. Well, there's, so there's this great term in the industry called you pretend your autonomous washing, where you pretend your car is an autonomous vehicle. It's it's just a great word. Like, honestly, we should just use it more. We should be like, that's a ton of washing. (laughs) And basically the argument boils down to Tesla called it full self-driving and GM called it super cruise. And so people understand it's just fancy super like cruise control. It's a great interview. Andy Hawkins did it with uh, the the GM folks, the chief engineer of autonomous vehicles, GM. Like all this stuff is like happening, but it's all a lead up to GM saying very soon it will become the number one supplier of EVs. And so they're just picking their spots, but they've not nothing. They have to ship it. Nothing exists. They've got to ship some cars.
4: And then Cruise is out there doing it's like robo taxi thing in San Francisco. It's like it's it's been like slowly bubbling for a long time. And you kind of keep waiting for it to be like, this is the moment. And GM keeps kind of being like, it's almost it's almost time. It's almost time. Yeah. And at some point it's going to have to be time. Can I just say, by the way, that. Measuring the number of miles available to your system is like maybe my new favorite meaningless statistic of all time. It's like, in terms of like what that means to your actual life, that means nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're, we're on. We have four hundred thousand miles of roads. Literally, could not mean any less to my ability to actually use this feature. <laughs> like, it's nothing. Well,
2: also your compass Tesla, which is like, I don't know it'll we'll work on any road. Like, let's see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> like,
4: yeah it either will or it won't. Like, try what it. What like,
2: your life is in your hands. You the Tesla experience. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I just think it's funny to see the traditional car makers. Come at it, but I think it's hilarious. There's nothing I cannot act on this information. Yeah, I cannot be like, Yes, that sounds great. I'd like to buy a GM vehicle, a GM EV with Super Cruise. You cannot do that. You can buy an Escalade with Super Cruise, the opposite of an EV. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Like,
2: I'd like to burn one Tesla's worth of carbon to go two miles, but it drove itself on 400,000 miles of roads by itself. It's just very like the Jeep thing is like to me the funniest. It's just hilarious. It's the same drivetrain as the Wrangler, which ships. The Wrangler, by the way, the p- most popular hybrid in America. And it's so popular that people are making serious money buying them from dealers and immediately flipping them on Carvana. And it's like...
3: It's a good idea. Just put
2: the engine in the other car. <laughs> Okay, so counterpoint, if you're already winning awards,
4: what's the point of shipping your car? Like, isn't it yeah. just all downside for Jeep at this point? It's like, never ship it and be legends. Like, it's,
2: it's the dream. We should start giving car awards for most announced cars. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair idea. The Cybertruck is America's most announced pickup truck. <laughs> 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 like, send an award to Elon. <laughs> uh, last couple things. Some w- weird FCC mysteries this week. We got a battery-powered Google device in the FCC and what looks like a new echo device from Amazon. You know, we're coming up on the holidays. It seems like refreshes for home stuff from the ambient computer companies are coming.
3: October will be so fun.
4: Yeah, I mean it's like it's the Matter moment. I like one of the things that I think is that because Matter is coming, there's going to be a like level of public interest in This stuff, because just a lot of people are going to be talking about smart homes. So even if all you have is like a teeny tiny upgrade on the thing that you already make and the thing that you already make perfectly supports matter, just like having a new thing. I suspect a lot of these companies are going to like gin up new things to have at this moment because it's like the first interesting smart home moment in a really long time. That's and that's what all this stuff seems like to me is Google's like, what if we took our speaker and changed it ever so slightly? Would you be interested in that?
2: Yeah. And now it's better at smart home stuff. Yeah. Same with the Amazon. Oh, the Amazon one, we had it spent like, we spent hours on this with our team because Amazon files for its FCC listings with fake companies. It has like shell companies it uses to hide things from us. It didn't succeed this time, Amazon. The shell company was called Flake LLC. So we'll see what that is. It's called a digital media receiver and it has a power plug and a Zigbee radio. So we'll see. I think you're right. I think the matter moment is here and a bunch of new hardware is coming out. As, As soon as Apple releases its next set of devices. And they're like, we're all in on matter. Like the ecosystem is there and, and Google, which theoretically supports thread, at least in the hubs with the newer hubs. Like everyone's just going to race into it and be like new hardware is here. We got to change the way it looks to support the software. Cause no one cares. Whatever. Uh, last one. I think David, you added this. We reviewed the Sony InZone M nine, which is a gaming monitor. That's like really a TV. I have but one thing to say about this.
4: Go ahead. I mean, I basically put this in here because I think, like, we, we've talked about it a couple of times on the show, but it's like, this is a moment where people are making good monitors and trying hard to make good monitors, and I think we should celebrate that here on the VergeCast. Like, we, we get a lot of shitty screens here on the VergeCast, and people who make good monitors should be celebrated for trying to make
2: good monitors.
3: Well, this is like a fine monitor. Well, this is, I think the big deal here is Sony hasn't been in this space, right? Like, Sony doesn't make monitors. They make really, really good TVs, but they don't make monitors and especially Gaming monitors, and this was one of their first like big ones. It's similar to the one I'm in fact using right now from LG, which is similar specs, similar price. Mine's great, by the way, very uniform color, no vignetting on the sides. Whereas this guy has a bunch of vignetting. It's 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 got some some bad color uniformity. And if you're spending nine hundred dollars on a monitor, it should look nice.
2: It should look nice. It should look. But nice. it does have. HDR. It does have 144 hertz VRR. It has low latency. Like, it's TV stuff specced for a monitor.
3: Yeah, and it sounds like Sony used some of that, like, their smarts in the TV space for processing and stuff to do better processing on this monitor. So, like, the HDR is a lot nicer than you would normally see on, like, I do not have the HDR on on my LG monitor because it's garbage. It's like just useless to use it. Whereas this would actually be use, useful. So if they can like improve the quality of the panels themselves, that's cool. Go Sony.
2: Yeah. So this is my one thing that I have to say about this monitor. For this price, Sony was able to deliver full array local dimming with multiple, multiple zones, right? Like 96 dimming zones, which I love Apple it. was not able to do at like $1,700 on the same size panel in the studio this way. And like, that it's just like this is the feature you need.
3: But it doesn't have an iPad built into it.
2: It's true. It did it does not have a mediocre camera built into it. <laughs> well, this I, I will say this review
4: gave me hope that like the second version of this might actually be pretty good because there's a bunch of little things like Cam was annoyed that they didn't ship video cables in the box, which for a nine hundred dollar monitor I absolutely agree with. And there's there's little things it's like the stand isn't great. It doesn't do good enough uh
2: pass-through. The stand looks ridiculous. It looks like a little baby PS5 and then it's because so that agree. isn't enough to hold it up they like and also some other little tripody legs <laughs>
4: yeah it's insane it's like they designed it and then it fell over and somebody just like propped it up with <laughs> the first things that they could find and they were like that works ship it but then so like all that stuff is like stuff you solve in the second one right those are like yeah. first monitor weirdness but the it's the panel thing is weird like sony knows how to make good displays so the fact yeah. that this one wasn't better was a, was a bummer because you would think if Sony's going to get one thing right, it would make a good screen.
3: Sony doesn't always make its own displays. Like its its OLEDs are really really good, but they're not making the OLEDs themselves. They just have far superior processing and stuff on an, on the LG OLEDs. And we saw kind of the same thing when Sony started getting into that OLED space really aggressively. The first few iterations of the Sony OLED was like. Not worth your time and money. Just way too expensive for what you were getting versus the same thing from LG. And then it improved a whole lot. It got really, really good. And now, like, you should probably consider a Sony OLED instead of an LG OLED. And that could be the same thing with this. Like, the LG monitors are perfectly fine. But there is not, like, the monitor space in general, there isn't a lot of thought given to processing. There isn't a lot of thought given to, like, local array dimming, any of that fun stuff that we're seeing in TVs. So having that trickle down and having somebody who's proven that they're good at it doing it is like, I'll be optimistic about that. I'll be excited for round two. Yeah. That's going to be fun.
4: I mean, for so long, it was like, do you buy the really expensive LG screen or the really crappy Dell screen? And just the fact that there's more things to do now in computer monitors makes me very happy. Like competition
2: is a good and valuable thing. This stand looks ridiculous. It's and <laughs> I'm just saying the competition should be adding more full array local dimming to computer monitors. That's all I really want.
3: What do they want you to do? Do they want you to put the PS5 next to it? And how do you put the PS5 next to it?
2: Look, if you are pull over in your car right now and just like look at this thing and be like, why did they make this choice? It's very confusing. The power move
4: would be to make it so that you can take that part out and put your PS5 in and it's also the stand for a monitor.
3: That would have been cool. There you go. And
4: then you can carry it around with you with the Joy-Cons <laughs> on the sides. <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right. We've gone over. That's enough <laughs> from this.
3: <laughs> That's it. We're done. Goodbye. <laughs>
2: Calling it. If HBO dies before Wednesday, we'll do an emergency podcast. If not, we'll cover it on Wednesday. Uh, speaking of the Wednesday show, this last Wednesday, uh, y'all talked to sailboats, solar generators, and Starlink, which is pretty good about working from anywhere. It's very fun. It's work from anywhere week at the Verge. So like, there's lots of cool coverage on the site on how to work from different places and what working from home means in this very weird. Post, pre, next pandemic time. Monkeypox. You know, this mid pandemic period that we're in, pandemic <laughs> interstitial. <laughs> and then our homeland package is back with the second round of stories. It's very good. We've got a great story called The Most Surveilled Place in America, which is about the wall and just the enormous amount of cameras and sensors that are pointed at this like one strip of America. It's really, really great story. Go check that out. And then uh, next week on Decoder, I talked to Tarek Amin, who is the CEO of Rakuten Mobile in Japan the world's only functional O-RAN network. They sell some components of it as part of a thing called Racket and Symphony. Racket and Symphony, a vendor for Dish Network. So I asked him, how does ORAN work? Like, what's going on here? What does it mean to be a cloud-based 5G network? Uh, he is a very charming man, and my dude loves some ORAN technology. Uh, so that's <laughs> next week on Decoder. That episode is 11 hours long. It's very rarely that I'm like five minutes into an interview, and I'm like, I'm already out of time. <laughs> like, I don't, I've got to stop this train <laughs> like, um, but it's a great episode it's like the right mix for decoder between like thinkfluencery business stuff and then like in the weeds hardcore product stuff do you yeah. know uh, Rakuten mobile their operating costs because of around 40% cheaper than the other networks in Japan
3: are they part of the Rakuten who does the books
2: yes they're like, uh, you know, they're based like the Amazon of Japan. So their model is like you buy Rakuten stuff, you get points, and you can spend Rakuten points on other parts of the Rakuten ecosystem.
3: Get your Kobo e-reader.
2: Neil, you just, you just let Alex talk about Kobo. We have to end the show. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's you did this. I'm ending this. You did this. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's enough. You can tweet at us. I'm at Reckless. Alex is Alex H. Kranz. Uh, Pierce is at Pierce. Again, if you are a hardcore Android phone gamer, let Alex know. That's all she wants to hear
3: about. I'm so excited.
2: We'll see you next week, or uh, <laughs> assuming HV Max goes up on Emerge podcast. That's it. That's Rochester. Bye, Carl.
0: And that's a wrap for Vergecast this week. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email at vergecast at theverge.com. The Vergecast is a production of The Verge and the Vox Media Podcast Network. The show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters. That's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at Canva.com. Designed for work.